Hey, welcome back. We are glad you're here. Don't touch that dial. You are in the right place if you're looking for inspiration, motivation, encouragement. Uh, we have it for you here at Last in Line Podcast, where we are teaching guys how to not only charge the mountain and be the tip of the spear in leadership, but also to be the kickstand that props people up and empowers and encourages other leaders to be the best version of the leader within them. We are all leaders. We all have influence. And as it says in Mark 9:35, he who wants to be first will be the last of all and servant of all. That's what Last in Line podcast is about. And I hope you walk away different than when you turned on this podcast. I hope you walk away with the revelation that you were called to lead, that you were called to have influence, and that you were called to serve. What is up, everybody? Glad you're back. Glad I'm back. Glad we're here together, back together. Hey, I've got a pretty cool episode today. Um, If you're managing a team, coaching a team, this could apply to your kid's baseball team. This could apply to the ivory tower. If you're a corporate executive, this could apply to a sales leader in an organization. And stop me if you've heard it, but there's a couple things that I think are vital in taking your team's temperature. So I've got three steps on taking their temperature and it's all built around these two C's that I think are, should be pillars in any successful team. And I think it's connectivity and coachability. I think you can take their temperature. If you've dialed in on these two things, I've got three steps, three areas that are pretty solid recommendations. I've, coached several baseball teams over the years, competitive travel teams um, for my children. I've coached uh, sales teams, you know, all the way down to three or four salespeople, but I've also run multi-million dollar uh, profit centers for, you know, multi-million dollar, billion dollar corporation, um, 20 salespeople at a time, uh, give or take. And so, I've been in leadership. Um, I've discipled people at church. I've run curriculum. I've run classes for men's groups. Uh, so taking a temperature of a group of people that you're trying to guide down the field and move the chains on and uh, you know cast a vision for and then lead, this these translate, I think, to all areas of life. And so the three steps that I'm going to give you today for taking your team's temperature, okay, it's imperative that we cover a couple of things to qualify first. So to creating a cult you know, cultivating connectivity within a team is, is vital because of course, any puzzle that's disconnected really isn't a puzzle really doesn't paint a picture. If the pieces are not connected, you got to connect these pieces. You got to get your team gelling. You got to get them firing on all cylinders, but you got to identify gifts and then place them in the right place. That's just management one one And I know you know this, but are they in sync with each other is another thing. I, I wonder, you know, <clears throat> are they aligned? These, these teammates, these cogs in the wheel, these spokes in the wheel, the people that you've put in place, you know, you, the people on your roster, let's just say, I'm going to probably use a lot of sports analogies and that's okay. And I, I'm not really going to apologize for that. So hopefully a lot of you guys are athletes anyway, sports fans. Most of you probably are. 
So, you know, when you're, when you're building a roster out, you've identified skills, you've identified gifts, you've identified talent. Hopefully they're all aligned with the vision you've cast. Hopefully they're all connected in some form or fashion. Yeah. They all have their own initiatives. Yeah. They all have kind of their own goals, their own performance matrix, their own desires and, and dreams. But ultimately if the ship's going to get docked in the right station, in the right shore, everybody's got to be rowing in the same direction. So are they aligned? Are they in sync is the key to the connectivity piece. And it's in sense, it's essential to really instill and reward coachability. People got to be coachable, man. You're hiring people into a company, onto a team that maybe hasn't ever done this exact type of thing before or in the role they're in might be different. So everybody's got to be willing to learn. Everybody's got to be able willing to be coachable. So I'm going to give you three areas, three steps to taking your team's temperature. If you're a leader, you've got to check in. You've got, you're the thermostat, but you got to check the temperature on how the team's doing. The pulse of the heartbeat of the organization is your team and how you're directing them is going to reflect in what temperature they are as a collective unit and how they receive your leadership and where, where they're directing, the, where they're taking the ship. So the first one's going to be create cadence. That's the first one. So we got to create this cadence. Everybody's got to be marching to the same drum. Everybody's got to be in step, right, with the leadership's vision, with the organization's goals, with the uh, demands that are out there on this particular division of profitability. Let's just, if we're going to talk sales, not everybody's in sales, but everybody's got a goal. Everybody's got a forecast, you know, maybe you're in a big enough corporation where Wall Street's involved and they got to send a forecast every year to Wall Street and the shareholders. They got to sign off on it and then you're accountable to that number. That's what I've lived my whole life practically. But if you're not in that, you still have a vision because I'm going to bet the company you work for has to make money somehow. So even if you're an operations manager or you're out in the shipping and receiving dock, you still have a team that's still part of this process that creates profitability, that gets products to places, that provides services to customers that actually keep the lights on. So this applies to you too. So you got to create a cadence, right? The common vision has got to be there. They've got to buy into it. It can't just be the leader's vision. It can't just be your dream. You have aspirations. You have career goals. You've got a ladder you're climbing. Maybe your team isn't doing that ladder climbing like you are, but they still got to be bought into your vision. So you got to you got to create that. You got to create a buy-in. Okay. They've got to be, there's got to be a common vision. If there's not, then people obviously are going to go their own direction or take matters into their own hands or create their own vision. Um, they've got to, you know, you as a leader, obviously they got to buy into why, because they got to trust you. They got to trust that you know what you're doing. First of all, that you're competent. They got to trust that you have their best interest at heart and that you'll go to bat for them. But guess what? They also have to be the, sold on is your ability to admit failure, admit when you're wrong, admit mistakes, and then you got to be coachable too. So the connectivity and coachability isn't just for your teammates or your team that you're leading. It's for you. You've got to show that you're willing to learn if you're expecting them to. And this hiring process is key for the part I'm talking about creating a cadence. You got to get the same DNA on the team. Not, I didn't say the same skill sets. I didn't say hire everybody that's the same as you. In fact, I would argue hiring against your weaknesses would be great or against your strengths, however you want to twist that. But if you're good at something, I say hire somebody that's good at something else. 
something that you're weak at, I say hire somebody that's good at that. You got to align those skill sets. But so if we're not talking about you got to hire everybody the same as you, we are talking about the hiring process is key because you got to get the right character. You got to get the person that's got the DNA that's going to go grind it out, that's trustworthy, that's not all about themselves, right? There's a uh, there's an element I talk about all the time, and you're going to probably say it right now if if you've listened to any of my episodes. This humility factor has got to be a place, got to have a place for that in your hiring process. You got to see that they're willing to take ownership and willing to admit mistakes and willing to make changes, make corrections, course corrections, make adjustments. They got to be humble enough to do that. So the DNA of the talent you're bringing onto the team is crucial. And that's the hiring process. So whatever product you've got, when you're trying to take your your team's temperature, whatever product that is of those people, talking about your people being the product, whatever product that team looks like is a reflection of your hiring ability, most likely, unless one of them just snowed you in the interview, fooled you, lied to you, and they've they're like Jekyll and Hyde, and now they're different, and you got to have hard conversations. But they've got to have a common discipline. So everybody, you know, on the team, I say everybody, 95% of the team, yeah, you're going to have one weak link. I still don't believe in the saying, well, your only team's only as good as their weakest link. I don't necessarily believe that. I think the 95% that are good eggs – can probably drown out the noise of the bad egg, but I will say you got to get rid of that person um, if they're not willing to change. But anyway, you got to be, there's got to be a common discipline there. There's got to be a work ethic. There's got to be a factor that the team has of keeping their head down, doing the right things all the time and, and creating that muscle memory, which, you know, leads to my next thing about repeating the right reps once you've established methodology, you've established processes and strategies and, and practical application of the concept. Once you've established all that, you've got to make sure they're repeating these right reps. You've identified something that works. This model, the sales model, the culture, the model of operation, whatever it is in your company, you've established that that's good. It works. Uh, repeat it. But you got to make sure that your team stays disciplined enough to keep their head down, not get distracted, not get bored, not get greedy, uh, not get arrogant. So we got to repeat the right reps. That's how you create cadence. That's the first one. So this cadence, this rhythm, right? It's routine. It might be mundane, but you got to, if it works, you know, we all talk about wash, rinse, repeat. Dude, if it works, keep doing it. Replicate that. And you're building leaders too along the way so that you can expand and, and exponentially multiply your team if you're doing it right. So the second one's going to be hone humility, right? I just mentioned humility. We're going to dive into humility. So like I said, this is connectivity and coachability on how to take your team's temperature. Those two C's are crucial, all right? So you got to hone humility. First one was create cadence. Second one's hone humility. I mean – the coachability factor right here, if they're not coachable, we really got to get, have some hard conversations or we got to just kind of cut bait and move on and, and let them know it's just not a fit. Cause that's one area that I, I, I really don't, it's non-negotiable for me as a coach. When I had a kid who had heart and was willing to learn and be coachable, I'll take, 50% of the talent of the other team we're playing and we'll beat them every time, especially in a game like baseball. They might not be the biggest, fastest, smartest, 
but you give me kids that have heart and you give me kids who are coachable and we can go win championships. I can almost guarantee it. And so do they want to improve? I mean, that's a, that's a huge thing. That's coachability 101. Do you, do you want to get better? Do you believe you don't have all the answers? And do you believe that I have some right answers that you're willing to listen and learn from? Those are, those are factors on whether or not they're coachable. You got to figure that out. And I know we all do these mid-year performance reviews where it's a one-on-one with your teammates or your, you know, your direct reports and, and, or you're talking to your manager one-on-one, but this is for really leaders who can take temperature of their team right now. So if you've got people that you're directing, you know, and you're casting vision for, um, then I, I think this is for you. So are they, curious is another thing so do they want to improve are they coachable are they curious that is a that's a big deal now granted that's hard to quantify sometimes it's hard to put your finger on but i would say that you can identify talent when they come to you and are asking a lot of really good questions that either means they've identified a part of the process they can refine and improve on or they've identified maybe a new niche that the team needs to explore options of creating processes around. So if that's the case, that tells me this person's innovative. That tells me they have skin in the game. They've taken ownership of their role and that they've got higher aspirations than the role they're in right now. So do they want to learn? Are they curious? Like those are things that you should be able to identify in your people, your talent, your, your roster. So that's a, that's a way to take your team's temperature because you can identify leaders uh, by the ones that are the most curious and the ones that are willing to learn. They may not be the most talented, but guess what? They keep asking the right questions enough times, they're going to have right answers and that they're, and their performance is going to be indicative of their curiosity and of the, the things, the ways that they're, they're improving. Um, Consistency is a big deal. Like hone, honing humility is – they. You've got to be consistent. It can't just be a flash in the pan. You're a salesperson and you, you know, had a great month and then you kind of coasted, you kind of rested in your laurels and you coasted the next month. Well, guess what? You're going to be, there's going to be a reflection of that. But if you're willing to stay consistent, doing the right reps, staying humble, knowing that at any minute you can be kicked right off that mountain, your, your pedestal that you've put yourself on you can get humbled real quick if you're not already humble. So that's a that's a, a saying that I've heard. Uh, Coach Matt Deggs from the uh, Louisiana Lafayette baseball team says in his book, you should go get it, by the way. It's called 15 to 28. You should get it. His story is unbelievable. Go listen to him on our podcast um, a few months back, actually, l- earlier this year. Uh, go check him out. But he said, a man is either humble or he's about to be humbled. And so if that's you and you're about to be humbled, you might want to take a hard look in the mirror because that's not a fun process of getting humbled forcefully. I would rather be voluntarily humble and and curious and coachable. And and so if you're consistent, that says that you, you don't trust your own success enough to take your hands off the wheel and coast. So that's a good sign. If you're consistent, that means you you're, you're locked in and, and you don't no days off for you. Um, and then do people want to rely on you? You know, um, that if, if you're humble, people are going to rely on the fact that you don't put yourself first above the team. They know that you're a team guy. Uh, they can count on you. And, and so I think this 
if you're proving to be dependable and you're proving to be a team guy, then this you'll be consistent, you'll be humble, you'll be curious, you'll be coachable, and, and you'll be a servant, really. That's what servant leadership's all about is somebody that puts the team above themselves and they kind of take a step back in their own uh, what they want and they put for the greater good, they they focus on what the team needs, not what they want. So that's the second one, hone humility, right? So we're taking your team's temperature today. You're getting a little bit better. You're getting a little bit more informed on how to really, you know, get the dipstick into the team, pull it out, get get a gauge on where the levels are, Uh of humility, coachability, connectivity. Are they connected? So we're taking your team's temperature. The first one was create cadence. Second one's hone humility. And the last one is called foster fearlessness. This is a fun one for me. So if I'm a, a coach, I like somebody that's got a little bit of an edge to them, a little bit of a risk taker, a, not careless, but a little bit of a uh, not a lone wolf. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but they're they're fearless. I think that's pretty much sums it up. Um, and and so to to foster that, what you've got to identify it, and then you've got to reward the courage. You see somebody that steps out and tries something new, tries to learn it on their own without maybe taking time out of your day or you know distracting other team members. They they take the initiative to go learn it. Maybe they fail. I still think you reward that courage. You know, I think we we go in and we, we assess where we took some careless risks, and then we assess where you took some bold steps that could have worked if you would have maybe tweaked this a little bit. In, in baseball, I hey, if I had a kid that, you know, was, I don't know, one of the faster kids on the team, there were a group of them that didn't have to get, if you know anything about baseball, you know there's signs, coaches giving signs, and, steal sign, bunt sign, whatever sign, but a guy gets on first and you're giving signs. But there were a select few of kids that I taught or coached that were very fast that I told them, you don't need a sign. If you can pick up something of the pitcher, a, a signal that he's not going to pick you off or come over there, he's not paying attention to you, take off and take second base. So I've given them the freedom. So I like those kids that take the initiative to just take that risk and they, they trust their own abilities enough to say, you know what, if there's consequences, I'll accept them and I'll own them, but I have faith in my ability enough to, to go step out and take that calculated risk. So I say we, we reward courage regardless of, you know, failure or success because that's a great teaching opportunity if they fail, and it's a great example for the rest of the team if they, if they succeed. Um, you know, the, the fostering fearlessness is getting people to think outside the box um, that, that term has been beaten to death, I know, but there is a box that sometimes we put our teammates in or our, the people we lead in. We box people in based on their skill set, and we almost limit them because that's the comfort zone. That's where we feel more comfortable. We don't have to babysit when we know that they're a, let's say they're a accounting person and they're doing spreadsheets. We feel good about that. They're, you know, we can leave them alone and do whatever, and, and we don't have to worry, but Let's get them thinking outside the box of either how can we create a new process that's better and more efficient, or how can I get better and maybe do this over here and maybe lead a meeting sometime, or maybe get a group of people together in my department and and maybe have just an impromptu 
discussion. We don't need a formal email that says we have a meeting at 8 a.m. 8 on Monday. Let's get everybody together and pick each other's brain. I think that's thinking outside the box because, A, you're not getting paid for it. You don't have the title. So you're doing something for the good of the team. It's obvious. I think, to me, that deserves reward. But that's fearlessness. Like, you're not afraid to step out of your role that is on your business card, finger quotes, and, and you're, you're taking on something new. Um, so there's a, there's a carelessness component to, I think this fearlessness, we, we got a fine line we're walking. We got to walk that, that fine line of not being careless because obviously you're affecting the organization or other team members could be ramifications to your carelessness. So we want to refine that. If we notice it, if your team is, you know, a little off or you notice there might be some hiccups along the way that might be repetitive. You might check in and with people and be like, look, are you trying something different? That's outside the scope of what we've, what we've established to be kind of a good procedure that works. Like, tell me why you tried this. Tell me why you, you know, it seems a little careless. Tell me, talk to me about the reason you did. That. So I think that's just communication, getting that to be sort of airing out some of the, the dirty laundry of that mistake or that carelessness on that decision they made. Um, I guess, you know, it would be nice to be able to teach taking calculated risk. I don't know how you just sit down and teach. I don't know that there's a template for that, but I think you identify people's skill level and then you give them more autonomy and responsibility to maybe go rogue on a particular project as long as it's not significant or extreme. So that's going to be a, I mean, that's a, that's a sliding scale. You have to determine your team is different. Everybody's different. So, uh, but you do have to teach the calculated risk part because I think there's a huge upside to that. If, if guys are stepping outside their role, maybe stepping outside their comfort zone, maybe incorporating other team members and, and creating, fostering this teamwork, but that takes some courage. Like there's fear attached to that sometimes because you don't, always get the buy-in of those folks or everybody's fighting for the leader of that little group. Um, it gets clickish real quick. Uh, so we got to refine carelessness, but we also got to teach calculated risks. Um, maybe, maybe somebody can tell me a, a great, you know, hard and fast rule uh, template that we can have on paper that teaches calculated risk-taking other than trial and error. Cause I think that really is, where you have to assess what happened. Did it work? Did it not? Why or why not? So then um, this other thing I like, I used to do this all the time as a coach. So when you're fostering fearlessness, this other thing is revive the competition. I think it's healthy within a team to get competitive. Of course, you know, if we're in sales, everybody sees the rankings. Um, you love it when your name's at the top or near the top. You don't, if it's not, so there's a competition there. There's, I mean, an embarrassment factor. There's, that's a motivator, like it or not. I don't, you know, whatever the, the wokesters tell you that we, you know, everybody deserves a, a participation trophy and we don't want anybody feeling, you know, shameful or feeling embarrassed. No, foster that competition, foster that competitiveness. Cause if you hired the right people, you, asked them those questions and got them to give you examples in the interview process of why are you competitive? How are you competitive? Give me examples of that. Cause I'm going to need that. So the more competitive your team is with in a healthy in, environment, nobody's backstabbing anybody. Nobody's gossiping. Nobody's bringing each other down. It's a competitive 
healthy competitive environment. I used to do this, you know, I would have contests at practice because it's hard to keep people's attention in practice, especially with junior high kids, but we would have competitions, right? We would do races, uh, relay races. We team up, you know, divide them into teams. And so you just kind of get that, that fire stirred up, get that competitive fire because in a team sport, of course, you want guys who are going to compete because the other team's coming for you that week. And so they're coming to beat you down. And so if your guys aren't competitive, that's going to hurt. But, you know, again, in business too, there's other products out there. There's other companies out there trying to do the same thing you're doing and they would love nothing more than to, to destroy you. So we got to have a, we got to foster that competition amongst our teammates to take their temperature, understand that's a good way to take their temperatures, understand who's got it, who doesn't, who's more of a competitor, who's not, who are kind of the, the tips of the spear of that team and who, who aren't. Um, it's a good way to figure that out. And then guess what? That makes performance reviews and compensation talks at the end of the year very easy for you. Hey, Joe, you didn't step up and really take the reins on this like I wanted you, like I hoped you would. You had really a limited role in this team's project. You know, there was a competition going on. You just kind of sat over on the side and let everybody else do the work. Like that's, you know, that impacts how I pay you. So that that's another reason that fostering this fearlessness through a competitive environment or competitive exercises or competitions uh, that you can create incentives around monetary time off, whatever. Um, but we got to revive the competition and uh, you know, iron sharpens iron. You hear that all the time. It's right out of the Bible. So, you know, teammates are supposed to sharpen each other, pushing each other a little bit to the limits, maybe, you know, challenging each other, challenging ideas, uh, calling people out if they're not giving their, their best, or if they're detrimental to the team's vision and, and direction, call them out. Like we got to have, and, and there's a way to do it, but, but we can't have a team that's shy about holding each other accountable. I think iron sharpens iron. I think for sure that only impacts the organization in a positive way. So uh, these are, these are the ways that have worked for me in different areas of life. Uh, this, this might even work in raising your kids, you know, because that's sort of your own little family team. Uh, not everything I mentioned would be translatable, but in co in corporate America, in sporting teams, uh, I'm telling you, there this this will do it for you. If you want to check your team's temperature, connectivity and coachability are really keys in that. And these three ways to create cadence, hone humility, and foster fearlessness, you're going to surprise yourself. Your team's going to surprise you. But most importantly, you're going to draw the most out of them, and they're going to hit their potential, and then ultimately the team's going to win. So with that, be blessed. Make your escape.